0: Every day.
1: Max him down. Giannis.
2: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, and I am joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks get back on the winners list, it was an interesting game, a bit of a slow start for the Bucks defensively, but they come home strong with a 38 point fourth quarter to beat the Cavs 129 112 at home. Before we get into that, I will remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. And, Frank, it was a little bit of a weird game again. Uh, George Hill top scores with 19 points, and then it's... uh, Ah, uh, sorry. Actually, Milton had twenty-one. Then George Hill nineteen, and Pat Connaughton seventeen. Even spread across the board offensively. But I do think it's always nice to to win a game without Giannis needing to score thirty points.
1: Well, uh, long time listeners of this podcast know I'm a uh, self avowed Giannis stat whore. So um, <laughs> anytime he looks as just sort of like confused and disengaged offensively as he does tonight i'm i'm generally not going to be pleased and i mean we talked the other day uh you know playing cleveland at home is kind of an, a no-win situation in a psychological sense even though it's an almost certain win situation from a you know a standing sense because you know if you kind of play with your food a little bit which i feel like is probably a decent way to describe the bucks tonight i mean Cavs or the cabs it never felt like the Cavs were going to win this game, um, but the Cavs didn't go away, and the Bucks kind of just—I don't know what, how you would describe it. I mean, they obviously did enough to win this game comfortably, um, but it never felt like this was close to you know a one-Bucks performance. Uh, and, and obviously, that starts with Giannis. I mean, five out of fifteen shooting, uh, four out of eight from the free throw line, continues to just struggle there. Um, 14 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, you know, in the fourth quarter, he could have had a dunk and just let George Hill the ball, George Hill on a two on none, um, which is sort of like, I don't know. It was tough to kind of figure out like Giannis where his head was at. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, he and Bledsoe were uh, practicing free throws after the game um, and Bledsoe, also, 14 points, got to the rim like at will, and yet somehow was six out of 16 and blew. I don't know what was the final count, like four four layups. Yeah, four. on the night, um, you know, he looked very good in terms of driving around the young uh, Cavaliers guards. But um, yeah, just kind of a weird, uh, a weird night. Um, but balance is obviously a positive in the grand sense of uh, this team is going to need that, you know, in the, in the playoffs and, and in the future. So. Um, as much as it was you know kind of a very much an underwhelming performance by Giannis tonight Uh, obviously seeing George Hill play well uh, against his former team seeing Chris Middleton didn't feel like Chris Middleton actually had that good of a game but nine out of 14 shooting three out of five from three didn't even take a free throw Um, 21 points as you mentioned in 29 minutes uh, you know the end result was there and uh, West Matthews another five out of nine shooting night as had Brook Lopez, um, so so yeah I mean Pat Connaughton was was unconscious early, um, so lots of lots of contributors which, in you know in is a is a good thing you don't need Giannis as you said to to win games. Um, that said, you know did I watch this game and feel like the Bucks learned their lesson from the loss on Saturday? No, that was <laughs> that was not the impression I got. I, I didn't get the feeling that the Bucks had uh, you know cleaned up all their their issues or anything like that. Um, but you know, again, it's a long season and, you know, if you can kind of, uh, half ass, uh, 17 point victories against teams, you're obviously a pretty damn good team. Uh, and you know, sort of this, I think this was a, a good example of sort of how high the bar is for the Milwaukee Bucks at this point, you know, it was a 17 point win and it felt like, meh, whatever, you know, um, but uh, that's, that's the way it's going to be this year. And it's, you know, again, that's, that's a sign of, of being a very good basketball team.
2: Yeah, I'll start with with Bledsoe. I mean, you you mentioned the missed layups, and it was was so strange. That was the the number that we spoke about on, on the podcast last week. A seventy over seventy percent in the restricted area last season, and then uh, he was really struggling to finish anything. But you know, I, I do think a, a positive sign for him. I mean, six for sixteen shooting is is not great, but the fact that he seemed really confident in getting to that those spots and and taking a lot of contact seems like. A good thing for for his rib issue, if if that's something that he's still dealing with, which I'm sure he must be, and you know, in some regard. But eight assists is a nice number for him, and you know, I, I think that there were some positives to take from that. But I I do kind of agree with what you said on the last podcast. It's like <laughs> Eric Bledsoe did some pretty nice things tonight, but I think the overwhelming sentiment is that he had a bad night because. If, if he makes those four layups, he has a 20-point, 20, 20 eight-assist night, and, and you, know, you really can't complain with that uh, offensively. But, yeah, it's, it's, he's going to be in a tough situation this year where he has to do a lot to really, <laughs> to really impress the Bucks fans, I, I, I guess. But uh, you touched on George Hill. I think that was him, and that's a, that's a big advantage that the Bucks are going to have at the, at the backup point guard spot. I mean, George Hill is really still a starting-caliber uh, point guard. And you saw when he got the matchup on Daly there in the third quarter, he really, really took the game over because uh, he could blow by Daly with uh, my fellow my fellow countrymen with, with absolute ease out there. And then Pat Conner, you mentioned him, but this is two games now that he's really sort of kept the Bucks afloat there. I mean, I, I don't think the Bucs were in danger of losing this game tonight, but you think about the second quarter in Houston on the opener, and now tonight... Uh, That's that's two really really nice games for him off the bench scoring the ball. Uh, I I don't think you can expect him to shoot four for five every night, but anytime you get these types of contributions from uh, two or three guys off the bench, you're probably going to be uh, a pretty good chance of of coming home with the win. But I think defensively, I was certainly watching this game, and in the first quarter, I was like, oh boy. This is uh, this is not the response I was really looking for after after what happened against Miami, and I, I think it's interesting. I, I've got a couple of thoughts, and I do think defensive numbers early in the season. I mean, they're so noisy because you don't really have a chance to let the sort of the luck affected numbers take control of of what you're looking at. But clearly, the Bucks at the moment are having some issues with their pick and roll defense, I, I think that it's and it's not necessarily that they're, that they're giving up too many different shots than they were last year. I mean, we know that the, the mid-range floater and the mid-range jumper were available at will to opposition teams last season. But so far through uh, – this was prior to tonight, so I, the numbers weren't updated yet. But they were giving up 50% on shots between 10 to 14 feet. So that tells you that teams – Know that, know even more so than they did last year that they can get that shot whenever they want against the Bucks. And the other interesting thing is that the lob is really opened up, and I I think that it could be, could have something to do with the pace of the game. I don't know how you feel about that, but when that help is a little slow to come and they give up that mid-range floater, I mean, it seems like the guy in the dunker's position, whoever that is, is, has got an easy, easy basket at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've, we probably also saw, um, you know, in, in Houston, a team that probably exploits that as, as well as, you know, yeah. pretty much any any other team um, with Capella for sure. And, and even Tyson Chandler, you know, has a long history of, of finishing alley-oops even at his age. Um, so, it'll, again, these are all things I think will be interesting to kind of see how they, how they stabilize as, as the year kind of goes on. Um, you know, I was looking a little bit at at the the play type data that you kind of referenced. This is the kind of synergy data you can find on stats.nba.com on um, and you know the ball handler data doesn't seem horrendous for the Bucks at this point. You know, again, this is like you know, literally a, a two game sample of, of yeah. what's in there right now. Um, but uh, you know, they the, they are last in the league in points per play on roll men, <laughs> roll men touches, but. <laughs> they're only giving up five per game. So 10 total, they've given up, uh, 18 points on 10 rollman man possessions, which I'm guessing, uh, you know, are mostly those, those alley-oops that we saw in the first two games. So, uh, you know, again, this is sort of, um, you know, really basic defensive tactics in the NBA, right? How do you balance, um, challenging uh you know the the driver uh, especially if you're going over on on picks as the bucks typically do you know you have to get the the rear contests uh you know as as close as you can to try to put pressure on the ball handler um and then you know the the backside help as well uh when you have a roller um and we saw it tonight tristan thompson i think got loose a number of times um as a roll man and you know there's multiple ways you can play this and it's typically there's going to be some vulnerability depending on how you do it. If you obviously uh, send, send help, you know, kind of help the helper, then you're going to give up, you know, potential uh, kickout passes for, for three pointers. And again, I mean, I'd say last year, the bucks kind of the proof was in the, the defensive rating uh, you know, finishing first overall uh, so far, obviously, you know, bucks are, I think they're 14th right now in defensive rating through the three games. Um, so it's not like they've been, destroyed or something like that in terms of uh, their defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly uh, I'd say overall, it, it does feel like something is still missing from this team. Um, you know, we really haven't seen them play anything close to a complete basketball game, but you know, again um, it's early in the season. If if you can grind out wins while you're still kind of working things out, obviously uh, there are worse places to be than that. But um, you know, again, I think the the two game home stand here, you expected to win both games. You got to split. And now you have some road games coming up, which uh, I think are you know going to test the Bucks a bit and just sort of see have they kind of reached the level of consistency that you came to expect from them last year. Um, or are they still going to be working through some things on the fly? Are they still going to be prone to maybe nights where, uh, where they don't play to the level that, that you're expecting?
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up
2: Yeah, so just, and, and you, did, you already touched on that, and the fact that, it, as I sort of said, it, it's, it's hard to take a lot from these numbers until you've, you've probably got a month or two months of, of data there. But uh, just for reference, the, the 50% that I touched on from 10 to 14 feet last year, uh, opponents shot 42.4%. Uh, really the big difference there is that they were taking 11 shots per game in that range over the course of the season this year. And again, this was only through the first two games. There were seven. I, I feel like there was probably more of those tonight. Uh, and then last year they also shot 47% from 15 to 19 feet as well. So, you know, in some ways you sort of watch these last few games and you think, Oh, well, you know, this is frustrating, but you know, to be honest, it's it maybe isn't as different to, to what we saw last year. I, I think that, uh, you know it does get frustrating, but I, I remember last year the same things. You know when you look at the, the Twitter conversation and sort of how the fans are judging this defense, that happened a lot last year where teams were just feasting in the mid range. This is, in many respects, what the Bucks are open to giving up. And as I said, I, I do think that you know the Bucks will need to make some adjustments there. And and I don't think you know again it, it's hard to really put it on one player, but I mean the you know at this point, we still haven't seen the same, probably, I don't know, I, I really want to steer clear away from saying energy and effort, but we haven't seen the same aggressiveness, I guess, from the Bucks' defense, and it's interesting to me when you look at the mental aspect of, of probably what the Bucs are going through, because you can talk all summer long, and the Bucks have, and they've said all the right things in terms of what last year meant to this team, in terms of motivating them, and coming in this year, and going one step further, but at the end of the day, it's still October, and you've got a home game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that you could probably sleepwalk through and get a win. And they did the same thing against Miami the other night without Jimmy Butler. And the NBA season is long. And this is a new experience for this team coming into a year where there's no question marks whether they're going to make the playoffs. You think that they are. I mean, you know, you expect that they're going to. You expect it to be a championship contender. So now the start of the season it does become a little bit of a grind and I don't think it's going to be an issue for games like this uh, Wednesday against Boston, but you know, certainly these home games where no one is even questioning whether you're going to win and you can still get away with playing a pretty scratchy performance and win by 17 points. These are going to be the ones that they're going to have to fight through and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether they can find that motivation, particularly early in the season, to get things going.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the Boston game should be should be fun just because obviously there is a little bit of history between these two teams playing in the last two years in the playoffs. Obviously, you know both teams, um, you know, have changed a lot, especially since that that first meeting in the playoffs. Um, but you know, a good test. Boston, I think, still an also a team that is trying to uh, you know figure figure out some things, um, and certainly for the Bucks. And you look at them, obviously. the Thing I'm most curious about is just how that. Uh, Celtics defense especially given the lack of um, kind of proven interior players Uh, you know Cantor obviously offensively can can do things but defensively major question marks Robert Williams um, interesting young talent uh, but certainly has you know has not proven it consistently obviously at this point as a second year player so um, so I'm curious about that and then obviously just Kemba coming in for Kyrie and and Tatum and and Brown obviously being expected to make a, a jump so um, yeah, it should be a fun, a fun game. And, and again, I, I'm always kind of curious in games like this. You know, it just seems like Giannis, if he has an underwhelming night, whether it's in a loss or a like game like this where it's a win, and he just sort of doesn't really, doesn't really seem to have it. Um, it just seems inevitably he comes out in the next game and kind of takes it somehow to to yet another level. So um, certainly against the Celtics, a team that he has, um, you know, uh, shown the ability to do that against, uh, you know. Post game one last year in the playoffs, um, and now Al Horford is obviously gone. So hopefully we'll see more of that on on Wednesday. But um, a number of difficult games coming up. So you know any any of these games um, at home, you really want to just you know bank these right away because um, because again, you just you just have no idea what uh, how the standings are going to shake up. Are there going to be some surprise teams? You know that uh, that you didn't expect to be very good. I think in the East, I'm, again, I'm not expecting it to be a team other than Philly and the Bucks, but um, you know, you, you never know. And, uh, and again, when, you know, when you're, when you're aiming for, for championship contention and you're aiming for home court through every round of the playoffs, um, you know, as much as the season is long, every, every game has, has significance and, uh, obviously good to see the Bucks kind of get back on the right track tonight, but, uh, we're three games in 79 to go. And uh, still, still, lots of room for improvement, which I'm sure pretty much every coach will would tell you that's how they feel at this point in the season. Um, but certainly, from the Bucks, given the high bar we have for them, uh, there there definitely appears to be a, a lot more room that, that this team can grow. And um, you know, whether you want to look at it individually or uh, or collectively, um, there's there's still a lot of upside to tap in.
2: Yeah, and you, you touched on Giannis. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. I think I look at this two ways now. Um, and really, I know that, I mean, the problem is with Giannis that the bar is so high. So we, we spoke about his, his game against Miami where he was 12 for 21, and that's almost like a, a really inefficient night for, for him. Um, certainly the 0 for 5, 3-point shooting played a, a part in that. But, uh, you know, now tonight he goes 5 for 15. So a couple of uncharacteristic games, I guess, shooting the ball, inefficient nights by his usual standard. Uh, certainly, Boston is a team that, that he has generally got up for. And, and last year, in the three, we know what he did in the playoffs, but during the three regular season games, he averaged 31 points, 10 rebounds, and 4.3 assists. So, uh, you know, this will be really interesting to see how he comes out. Also, 65% true shooting in those games against Boston. So, I mean, he's really dominated uh, the Celtics. And as you touched on, without Al Horford, I'm kind of interested to see how the Celtics look to defend him in this game. It looks like it's a a really tough matchup uh, for them. And clearly, Giannis, I wouldn't say, it's hard to really say that he struggles against anyone, but it was interesting that he's he's had a couple of big-bodied defenders at this point. You know, certainly P.J. Tucker against Houston uh, and then, you know, Bam for, for long periods against Miami. And then tonight he comes up against, you know that's a difficult matchup for him i think a guy that has the ball in his hands a lot and then can shoot the three kevin loves so you know it'll be interesting to see how how he comes into this one but it's pretty rare that he has two games in a row where he shoots and again like 12 for 21 i mean for most players is still pretty good but you know by his standards it's it's pretty rare that he goes three games in a row where he he really uh you know struggles to to get off off the chain there offensively in particular and particularly in the paint
1: Yeah, and um, you know, I think I think the thing I'm I'm curious about is you know he again certainly his confidence shooting the ball I mean you know is I would say not uh, not looking very high now he misses two more threes tonight um, I think you know he's not looking for three pointers right now um, which is fine right I mean again like you know, on a night like this where he didn't have much going I, I think his first instinct should be to attack especially given. You know it's not like you're talking about the, the this being the Raptors defense from last playoffs or something like that that you're going up against um, but you know again, I mean he starts two out of five and you know two games later his his season numbers are down to two out of twelve. His free throw shooting has been really poor four out of eight tonight i mean I don't know i mean i'm I'm very curious you know is 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 he just going to be like a mediocre free throw shooter this year like is this just going to be like a thing that he can't shake? Um, I think mentally you have questions about his makeup um, dealing with the pressure of certainly playoff free throw shooting that's been something not just last year in the playoffs but in previous years he's suffered a drop off in free throw shooting in the playoffs in the playoffs and you kind of worry I mean we know he's the hardest worker around but um, you know hard work does not guarantee anything especially when it comes to shooting and it's for three-point shooting is a good example but um, you know certainly I mean you look at the Mike Budenholzer era um, he has not done any any, anything for Giannis is shooting either at the free throw line or from three um, which certainly I had high hopes that, that he would realize some benefit. Um, but so far nothing. Um, and, and again, I don't know how much is, is tied in the mechanics. Um, you know, certainly it's it's three point shooting his free throw shooting. I would say not, not something you'd say is like, Oh, he's, he's super consistent um, with his mechanics, the way he misses, um, he misses everything short when he misses. Um, and clearly, you know, he's in year seven and hasn't figured this stuff out. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. We're we are still very early in this season, but after, after last season, um, and the six, se- the five seasons that came before it, uh, and especially with his free throw shooting in the playoffs, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting, I'm starting to get a bit of paranoia that he's <laughs> just not going to be able to figure this out. Um, because I mean, Is he going to change his mechanics at the start of the season all of a sudden? Like I don't know, but certainly the mechanics he changed a little bit last year didn't pay dividends, and so far, I mean, certainly not not uh, not doing anything this year either. So um, you know, it's at least for now, there's no sign of of that Achilles heel um, being being resolved. And um, again, he's got going to have ample opportunity in the regular season to work on this and. Um, he's gonna have no shortage of of opportunities to shoot free throws, especially as he continues to struggle. Teams are gonna probably be more and more interested in just hacking him and and trying to make him earn it. Um, so that's probably you know one of those things that that I'm I'm worried about. And just kind of similarly, um, you know, with Bledsoe. I mean, have we hit have have we seen him hit a jump shot aside from like I think he hit the first shot, uh, corner three, I believe, in Houston, and otherwise, uh, you know, he's made layups and some like a couple short little uh, shots, but I, I don't think he's hit a jump shot. Otherwise he looks to be putting even more arc on his free throws, which um, he's missed free throws. Uh, I don't know. I mean, between Bledsoe and Giannis, I I'm, I'm worried that there's potential for, for like shooting yips all year. And obviously, you're talking about, you know, arguably two of your three best players, which um, is, is definitely something that, that bears, uh, bears watching, if not something to, to, to be necessarily really panicking about at this point.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league – helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Yeah, Blitz, it was interesting. I, I actually forgot... You know about both his three. So he hit. Two, he was two for four against Houston. I I, I forgot about the second one. There. I yeah, it was that one from the from the left corner to start that game. But Bledsoe now two for ten from three on the season. And yeah, I mean, I thought that some of the attempts that Giannis was getting up against Miami were, you know, even <laughs> it's probably easy to say for him, but I I didn't think they were good shots for him. Like if he's going to shoot threes, he shouldn't just be pulling up. Uh, early in the shot clock. He did that a few times. Tonight, he definitely seemed a little more hesitant, I would say. But, yeah, I, again, I, sort of as you said, I'm not as worried about the three-point shooting as I am the free throws because now he's 15 for 28, just 53% from the free throw line on the season. And he's had 28 attempts through three games. So, he, you know, if he's going to be taking 10 free throws a game, which we sort of expect if you look at last season, he can't be sitting around that. I mean, he needs to find a way to get that up. The question is, yeah, I, I don't know how he does that now because you really hoped that after the playoffs last year, you know, somehow he would come back with, with a bit more confidence there from the free throw line. But it does seem to be just a mental thing. And, and some of them are, are horribly short. And I know you tweeted uh, late in the game against Miami, something along the lines of you know missing the first free throw short in a clutch situation. And that is something that we've seen, and you know, even some of those fifteen that he's made, they've barely sort of got over the over the front rim and, and down. So it's something to watch. I mean, when you look at all the positives so far, and another seven assists tonight, so twenty-seven assists through three games is the good. But yeah, the free throw shooting is is definitely going to be a concern for him. And yeah, I mean, Bledsoe, this is this will be interesting to watch. Now, I mean, you know, just over thirty percent from three last year. Uh, For him was pretty good. Uh, We know what he's he's been like in in the playoffs, but you start to I mean it really just makes it hard, you know, for this offense if Bledsoe is someone that all of a sudden completely capitulates shooting the ball and is and can't really score anywhere from the restricted anywhere else other than the restricted area, then the whole offense suffers, and we saw this in the playoffs last year that it was almost impossible to play Bledsoe down the stretch in games. I mean, you you, you you were costing the offense by doing that. So, you know, he he needs to start hitting some threes. And some of them have been pretty good looks for, you know, for anyone really wide open threes that he just hasn't been able to knock down. So, yeah, this is definitely something to, to watch when you look at Eric Bledsoe because the other three starters, you know, they're hitting their threes. Milton, Lopez, Matthews has been shooting the ball pretty well. We already spoke about Pat Connaughton and George Hill off the bench. So... Yeah, it's it becomes a, a real real talking point if Bledsoe can't can't figure out uh, his jump shot because yeah that yeah you know, particularly when you consider the defensive end if he can't play at the level that he was last year then he's a tough guy to play uh, next to Giannis which is, which obviously would be pretty catastrophic for this team as as the stakes start to rise through the season but yeah I don't know I mean tonight was such a such a weird game again uh, for the Bucks it's kind of I think we're going to have a lot of these nights where the Bucks just win games by double digits. You don't necessarily walk away too impressed from, from what you've seen. And it's just, well, let's notch another win and, and move on, move on to the next one. But uh, I don't know. Did you have any other, any other major, major takeaways from this one?
1: Um, well, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Matthews hitting five out of nine, 14 points tonight. Team um, I plus 21. Uh, I, I think, you know, if we're talking about positives, I mean, the, the guys who, obviously, they're not a lot of new faces this year. I mean, of guys who've played, it's pretty much Korver and, and, and Wes, uh, and I guess Rolo. Rolo's been pretty underwhelming so far, but between Corver yeah. and Wes, those guys seem to be fitting in pretty well, and, and which makes sense, right? Because they play the style of play that the Bucs want to play. Um, so the fact that Wes uh, has come in, and especially after that preseason, has looked pretty good, you know, especially defensively against the Rockets where obviously there were a lot of questions asked of, of him and the other uh, of the other defect guards. Um, it was certainly, it's been nice to see him kind of show a, a solid level of consistency. He scored 14 points in, in each of the three games and um, hit at least 50% in each of those. So, um, you know, for a guy who shoots threes at the volume he does to be shooting, you know, 52% from the field and 40% from three, very encouraging for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's, that's been a positive and, and Korver tonight, three out of three on threes in 18 minutes. Um, you know, the downside, we finally saw Dante DiVincenzo and, yeah. um, and DJ Wilson get some late cameos, um, with the game out of reach in the final two minutes. That, that's the obvious kind of flip side of this is okay. Wes and Corver seem to be acclimating well and contributing um, well, who's the odd man out, right? Um, I've been—I I find it interesting that uh, Bud has pretty much had a ten-man rotation. He has not expanded that really with any consistency. We saw Sterling early in Houston because of fouls, um, but you know, right now, DJ Sterling, Brown, and and Dante are are the odd men out, and those are the Bucks' young guys. Those are the Bucks' like guys to develop for the future, and they're not playing right now. And you know, the season is long. I mean, I'm not I'm not wouldn't say I'm like concerned about that right now because let's be honest, I mean the guys ahead of them have, have played well. Um, you know, Urson tonight just one out of five. Um, but he obviously was great in the preseason, was was very good the first couple of games this year. Um, so again, kinda hard to say that that Ursan shouldn't be playing ahead of DJ right now. Uh and similarly, I mean, Conaton's been terrific. Corver has, I think, looked good and and again, probably, you know, some, some attempt here to try to get, you know, a sense of how corporate will, will fit into, uh, into this offense. And obviously West being a starter, you know, he's going to have every opportunity. So, um, so, you know, kind of uh, the double-edged sword, right. The veterans uh, acclimating seemingly pretty well here is, is a positive. Um, but obviously, you know, you feel like you want to know what those younger guys can do too. And 79 games left. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that evolves, but, but certainly some uh, tough sledding here early on for the young guys having to be patient.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting because uh, particularly Dante and I know we spoke about this a lot. I did expect him to be playing, but West Matthews to, to this point has been impressive, fourteen points in in each game for him. And it was interesting to note tonight actually that the the when the Bucks really made probably the game breaking push, it was when they went small. And I, I think part of that you sort of already touched on. Robin Lopez has had a really. Difficult start to the season. Uh, as I sort I of mentioned on Twitter, he just looks frustrated. I think a couple of moving screens for, for him called in, in each game. He hasn't been able to really find his rhythm. We know that he's been shooting the threes during the preseason, but he hasn't been able to make one, one yet uh, during the regular season. So, look, a tough stuff for him. And I think in some ways that forced Bud's hand to go with Urson uh, at the five uh, unit there. And when you look at the, the box score when in the plus minus, you already touched on Matthew's team high, plus 21. But those five guys with George Hill, uh, I think it was Giannis Middleton, uh, were in there as well. And Pat, that's when, when the Bucks really broke the game open. So it'll be interesting to see if this continues for Robin Lopez, what happens with him. I, I think Bud's going to obviously give him more of a chance than, than the first week or, or two of the season. But the success of the smaller lineup is, is interesting to see. And at this point, it's really hard to argue with, with the rotation that Bud is going with. But, you know, I, I, I did think that we would see those guys more often in games that the Bucks are blowing out teams. And maybe, hopefully, if they can figure some things out, particularly defensively and get some bigger leads in games, that's where Bud might go to, to Dante or, or DJ, uh, rather than seeing them just come in for, uh, for the uh, victory cigar minutes because that, that is probably... Not ideal for 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 those two guys, and as you mentioned, the development, which is it's kind of weird to, because the Bucks are in the business of winning games, and not out here just developing guys for no reason. But I I did think both those guys, based on what we saw last year, uh, that they may be featured a little more than they are. But certainly at the moment, Bud is leaning on the veterans. We know that he's done this in the past. But Cole Corver again, uh, I keep mentioning it, but this is going to be something to, something to watch with him playing. Uh, as much as he is early on in the season, but yeah, if he keeps hitting those threes, then it's it's going to be hard to argue with uh, you yeah, the effect he has on the offense and and the opposition defense when he's
1: out there running running to the corners as he has been. And I mean, like a guy like Corver, like he's never going to get exposed against the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Like that's no. not where you worry about him. Um, it's kind of like Ursan. you know. Like I think it's it's going to be interesting to see him. Uh, guys like that. Against like top level competition, and you know, can those teams teams that have depth, teams that have like five strong starters, like can those teams um, expose some of these guys that the Bucks have uh, as part of like kind of the deeper rotation? Because um, that's certainly where then you you start to say like, oh, well, would be really nice to have like one of these young guys who you don't have those same you know defensive physical concerns with as as with some of these guys. Um, the only other thing I so. I don't necessarily have an issue with the 10 guys that, that Bud is going with. I mean, it, it's justifiable. I mean, it, I think you can argue those guys have, have earned it with the exception of Rolo, you know, like I, I could you fi- try to throw like DJ Wilson in at, at the five or something like that to try to do something or, or run, you know, even or son more at the five, which we've seen at times with Giannis. Um, I think that could be something to look at it. You know, I think um, in a general sense, I think, Bud is probably trying to get these, these new veteran additions who he expects to be rotation guys. I don't think he wants to give them a super short leash. So I kind of get it I'm trying to get them acclimated. Um, but the thing I just really did not understand tonight is you know, we talking about last year with Malcolm Brogdon having to carry some of these second units without Bledsoe, Giannis, or Middleton on the floor. And now you take away Brogdon, and now you're running out, like, all five bench guy units. Yeah. I just... That just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. And, look, I get that staggering your starters, like, requires some creativity. But if there's, you know, three minutes left in the third quarter and you're not shaking, you know, your, this, like, mediocre team, I'd rather have one of my like good dynamic players out on the court rather than expecting, you know, George Hill, Connaughton, Cal Corver, or son and Robin Lopez to, to go like build on my lead for me. Right. And um, you know, a number of those guys have played really well so far, but like those guys are always going to look better when they're feeding off of like a more dynamic player, like a guy that you can actually run your offense through. So, you know, the fact that, tonight like Korver and Giannis barely share the floor that doesn't make sense to me right? like um, you know we saw it I think at the end of the third quarter I think they were out on the court together and I think they tried to run that um, that that kind of inverted pick and roll with Korver setting a screen for Giannis again but um, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me that just seems like really kind of basic you know uh, it seems like Bud's kind of being like, you know, the crusty old coach running with his uh his bench unit um and, and not trying to stagger his his better players with them. Um so I don't know. I'm I hope that's not like just a thing that Bud is just gonna do all season long, resting his his top players all at once. Um but I, I guess we'll we'll have to see, especially Bledsoe, right? I mean, if you want to get Bledsoe going a little bit, like I would think trying to play him, staggering him maybe away from Giannis a little bit. Maybe maybe that can help because um, you know you put shooters around him and and maybe he can do a little bit more damage. So I don't know. Again, we'll kind of. I mean, we're we're very early going here with everything, but uh, something at least to to keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, I think that's particularly important. Yeah, you know, with the game that's that's up next, right? I mean, if he's doing that against good teams or, or teams that you expect, then it'll be interesting to monitor if that continues. I, I think you know. <laughs> These games against Cleveland uh, or teams like that are, are sort of weird, particularly early in the season. And and maybe he just thought that he wasn't getting what he liked defensively from from the starters. I'm not too sure, but yeah, that'll be interesting to watch.
1: One other note on this game: Bucks only 15 personal fouls, which roughly uh, a little more than half of their season average coming into this game. So they uh, backed off the fouling um, and. You know, to be honest, I mean, Giannis ends up with just two fouls and two turnovers. Um, I kind of wonder was this sort of overcompensating in that regard? Was he playing too controlled, and was that part of the reason why he was so ineffective, especially offensively? Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, this is the this is the balance that that Giannis has to find. But overall, certainly, um, you know, Bucks doing a much better job tonight. Just 12 free throw attempts for uh, the Cavaliers, um, not giving. A, not giving the you know Cleveland lots of cheap points uh at the at the line and um you know again Cleveland ultimately 106 offensive rating so you know again nothing not a defensive juggernaut night but certainly a, a solid effort that you know Bucks are generally always going to win when they give up a 106 offensive rating to the other team Bucks 122 tonight uh, themselves so um this was by far, the most efficient scoring net that they've had this year, which may be a little surprising just because they put up huge point totals in the previous two games as well, but those games had uh, had much higher paces, so uh, and, and well, the overtime game too just had more possessions because of that. so um, so yeah, uh, it's obviously something to kind of bear in mind as the bucks hopefully begin to uh, look a little bit more like the the bucks that we're used
2: to yeah you you did touch on the pace there i was I was looking at those numbers before the podcast uh coming into tonight's game they were number one in the league at uh just over one ten and after tonight's game they they do dropped to third It's still at one oh eight point five but you know clearly clearly this is this is something that they're trying to do to to get the pace up there but the felon is big i mean you know the when you're giving up thirty plus free throws a game clearly uh, that's that's going to be giving the opposition a, a bunch of free points, and Giannis in particular. I mean that that was, you know, he doesn't have a great night tonight, but it was kind of somewhat relieving to just not see him in in serious foul trouble. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, clearly the first two games were uh, frustrating for him, but yeah, as you mentioned, he he will have to find that balance because he can't go, you know, full passive mode on on defense because that's that's not what makes him great, but. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like I said, it was kind of a weird one. I feel like we, we've probably covered everything here with, with the Cavs win as the Bucks move to two and one. But uh,
1: any final thoughts
2: before I think I'll probably wrap this up? And-
1: yeah, let's bury this game and, and move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. That does seem like the best thing to do here. I will remind you today's podcast was brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering locked on at the checkout. So as I said, it's going to be Wednesday night, 6.30pm, tip-off on ESPN uh, Bucks at Celtics. The first time these two teams will see each other since last year's second round of the playoffs. For Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll leave it there, and I'll uh, speak to you guys tomorrow.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on
1: Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.